0: Making it in the food world takes a lot of things. Hard work, determination, vision, grit. It can also take money. What if a bank didn't care about how your wallet stacked up? What if the level of service your bank provided wasn't based on, say, the cash you have or your credit history? What if the only thing that mattered to your bank was you? At Berkshire Bank, all wallets are welcome. Even you duct tape wallets. Berkshire Bank, member FDIC. Every restaurant cook knows that the walk-in refrigerator is where you go when you need a moment to cry, to confide in a friend or to collect your composure. It's the place where the pressure to appear in control falls away, where you're allowed to feel your feelings and get real about the hard stuff. From America's Test Kitchen, I am Elle Simone Scott and
1: this is The Walk-In. Hey Chef Elle, this is Rohana. I can't wait to talk with you on The Walk-In about all the massages and also, I
2: just
0: got my CSA Farm box, so I'm super inspired to talk with you. Um, my mom says hi. Bye. Today, Rahana Bissaret martinez is stepping into the walk-in with me. Rahana got her start as a contestant on Top Chef Junior when she was just 13 years old. Since then, she's stashed in famous kitchens across the country. Now she's 16 and attending high school in Oakland, California. But unlike most of her peers who are dealing with the normal teenager stuff, Rahana is balancing school and a serious food career. She's a rising culinary star for sure. And the word prodigy gets used a lot when folks talk about Rahana. But being a talented young person isn't always as cool as it sounds. Rahana is ready to step into the walk-in and give us the real story.
1: Hi, Rohana. Welcome to The Walk-In. Hi, Elle. Thanks so much for having
0: me. It's a pleasure. I haven't seen you in a long time. I think it's been maybe, what, almost two years, right?
1: Yeah, I think almost two years.
0: Yeah, we had a really fun day at America's Test Kitchen. You worked on the TV show while we were filming
1: for a day. Yeah, that was super fun.
0: But that wasn't our first time meeting. We actually met first at... WCR, Women's Chefs and Restaurateurs, National Conference. Yeah. We were both um, panelists at that event, and we were both talking about mm-hmm. creating positive kitchen cultures.
1: Yeah. It was super cool. I think I remember when I first met you, I think you gave me a hug, and I was like, oh my gosh, she is so cool. What? <laughs> Funny thing so. is,
0: I was thinking the same thing about you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm like, I love this young lady. She's so great, so smart and passionate about food you know like everything that I wish Thank you. I had you're welcome everything I wish that I had at your age when I was loving food right so Rohana in the professional kitchen you know we have our own language right
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you know all about that lingo yeah. so I'm gonna tell you the very first part of our conversation today is called FIFO can you tell me what FIFO means
1: Ooh, uh, I should
0: remember this. You know it. I'm going to give you a hint. First in. Oh, first out. That's right. FIFO. First in, first out. So this is just an opportunity for you to tell me a little bit about Rohana and how you got into the culinary industry. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you live. Do you have siblings? Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm 16 years old. I live in Oakland, California. I have four other siblings. I love to cook and I'm really inspired by the agriculture here in California as well.
0: You said four so hard, like
1: four whole
0: siblings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like count them in my head every time I think about it.
0: Uh, well, Where do you fall in the in the line of four?
1: I'm the second youngest. So I have three oh. older sisters and a little brother.
0: Are any of your other siblings into cooking also?
1: My other siblings, like as a family, we always kind of cook together. But I think Mm -hmm. my oldest sister is the one who's kind of the most adventurous eater. And so we can always go to like super cool restaurants together. That's super cool.
0: I like that. Tell me about some of your current projects. Are you working on anything new right now?
1: Yeah. So before shelter in place, I was going to spend... This year, kind of just working in kitchens and mm-hmm. Alice Waters at Chez Panisse, she offered me a job. And so I was super excited to start there. But as you know, that's not happening um, as of right now. And then also something that I'm working on now, my long term projects was partnering with my local library and creating a teen program that kind of shows teens the resources that we get. Are available in the library, I feel like that's not really known. I remember going to the library and just seeing all these resources and being like, wow, I can get a computer and tutoring and all these other things for free just based on my library. That's awesome. So that's definitely something I w- was working on. And it's like a seasonal thing. So in each season, there'll be a teen mentor, a different team mentor. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is really cool because a lot of the times we are shown adults that are super inspiring and that's really cool but it's also cool to see other teens that can inspire other teens as well
0: because representation is everything right if you can see yourself doing it then you know it can be done
1: exactly yeah that's
0: amazing So I know you're really involved in um, a lot of community things right now. And we Mm -hmm. are not only in the height of COVID-19 pandemic, but we're also in the midst of a social justice movement happening in our country, Yeah, unfortunately driven by the death of Mr. Floyd. But it is a lot of protesting happening around the country, definitely in Oakland, also here in Boston and all the major cities. What role are you playing in the social justice movement right now?
1: Yeah, so right now I have been feeding the protesters in the Bay Area. I got invited to feed the protesters through Jamil from Raised Roots. I met him a while ago because he was doing olive picking Mm -hmm. and I got to help pick olives for the olive oil that he makes, which is really cool. Jamil from Ray's Roots DM'd me and he said, Do you want to help prep food for the protesters? And so I was really excited. The people who were feeding the protesters partnered with Black Earth Farms. They're like a mm-hmm. black farm that grows a super like a bunch of super awesome produce. And so it was cool to get to help cook and things like that. And that's what I've been doing recently. And it's super exciting to get all the meals packaged up for all the people who are, you know, on the streets.
0: That sounds great. That sounds really great. So this is basically your food community there in in Oakland, right? These are the people that you really work with and do projects with, and they're your go-tos when you want to do good deeds in your community, right?
1: Yeah, that's definitely part of my food community here in Oakland. There's so many awesome people here that always reach out if they need any help in anything or if I can assist in anything. So it's really awesome community here in California.
0: That's so great. It seems like already you're becoming, if not have become such a pillar in your community that when something pivotal or monumental is going down that they want you to be there. That means a lot.
1: Thank you. I definitely really appreciate it because I always like to help, especially if it has to do with cooking. You know,
0: I'm going to pick up my CSA box tomorrow, and it always mm-hmm. makes me think of you because I know that you are so deep into the agricultural scene in the Bay Area. You got, like, cool farmer friends. <laughs> How did you get into agriculture, or why it interests you so much? And do you grow things at home? Do you have a garden?
1: Yeah, so my mom's background's in botany, so I kind of was always around different plants and just nature, nature. So I've always loved going to farmer's markets and things like that. I got my CSA box a couple days ago. And last night I made this like basil roasted cauliflower butter type thing. It was so good. But um, yeah, that's what I like to do with my CSA box. And I just really like the agriculture here. We have really good soil and sunlight.
0: Tell me about your culinary influences. Like who do you admire? I already know that there are probably tons of people, so no, there's no real exclusion, but like off the top, shoot me two people off the top who you admire so much. Yeah,
1: so one of those two people is definitely Chef Leah Chase. She was so awesome. I remember yes when I was younger, Princess and the Frog came out, I think I was about four or five, and I w- remember watching that movie. That's definitely something that made me start cooking in the kitchen more. And then when I got older, I realized that Leah Chase, she inspired that character, And so I think she's just been someone who's inspired me throughout my whole life, really growing up. And I kind of learned so much from just listening to her talking and her old interviews. And I got to go to her restaurant, summer 2018, and I got to meet her, which was super awesome. And she's definitely someone who I am so inspired by.
0: Yeah, she's a great inspiration.
1: Mm -hmm. And then a second person that I'm super inspired by. There's so many options. Um, I'd have to say... There are no wrong
0: answers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd have to say um, Chef Sachiko. She's a chef. She works at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant. I met her when she was working at Hotel Air, and it was super cool just to see a Black woman chef in a restaurant kitchen, and she gives me advice all the time, and I can ask her questions if I need advice, and she's super Awesome.
0: Shout out to Chef, that's pretty awesome.
1: Oh, and of course you too. You have been super inspiring to me. <sighs> what you do on America's Test Kitchen. I remember when I first saw like your one of your episodes. I was like, "What? That is so cool!"
2: So, <laughs> yeah. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You inspire me too all the time. You. You're definitely an inspiration. Just. Seeing how you use your voice and your power at such a young age.
1: Thank you.
0: It definitely gives me hope for not just the future of the world, but definitely for the culinary industry. I'm excited about it because of you. All right. Let's talk a little bit, and I only want to talk about it briefly because I know Mm -hmm. you talk about it all the time, but tell me a little bit about Top Chef. Not necessarily like how you got on the show, but like Mm -hmm. tell me how... Top Chef has really just developed you as a person? Mm -hmm. You know, the experience, like, do you still pull from that experience? Or is it kind of like beyond you now?
1: So Top Chef Jr. has been a really interesting and cool experience for me. I started the show when I was 13 years old. So it's been around four years. And something that I think I took away from it was really how to be like calm in high pressure situations. And I also got to meet a lot of really cool chefs from the show and still some chefs from Top Chef Junior, I will re- mm-hmm. reach out to and help cook in their kitchens and different things like that. So it's definitely helped me kind of get into food industry as well as kind of learn how to cook in like fast paced environments, which helps me a lot when I'm like in a professional kitchen.
0: Okay, here's a tricky question for you. Mm-hmm. If you were to go on to Top Chef as an adult chef, what would you do differently in the future than you did in the past?
1: Something that I would do differently in the future if I were to go on Top Chef would definitely have to be, I think, hmm, I think a lot of when I was younger, I was like, I first started cooking and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this or just like kind of doubting certain things. I think if I were to be on the adult Top Chef, I would have a new sense of like, just like I- Confidence. Yeah, confidence. I can be here, I can cook. And then also a part of cooking competitions that I started learning on the show was no matter what happens, I'm just there to cook. And it's not really about the prize until the end, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think the (laughs) nerves- I'll be better with that and everything like that.
0: That makes sense. That's great advice to not really focus on the prize in the beginning. In the beginning, you should just focus on making good food.
1: Exactly, yeah. The
0: prize doesn't really matter until it's like you and your other finalist person, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I will I will put that in my pocket. That's great advice. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about your hobbies, right? Yeah. Like, what do you do instead of cook? I mean, I know that I have hobbies, but they never seem to outweigh actual cooking, right? Like, cooking still always turns out to be, like, the top of the post when it comes to things. But I have plants. I'm thinking about getting into golf. I know that you like tennis. Tell me some other things that you do for, like, self-care and fun. Yeah. What does relaxed Rahana look like?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I love to play tennis. I've been playing for a couple of years now. And I like to read a lot. I read a lot of cooking related books, but also just like other normal fiction or nonfiction books.
0: I love reading also. I'm a huge oh, bibliophile. Awesome. I have a crazy book collection. But some of my favorite nonfiction authors are, um, I mean, I guess you could say maybe Alex Haley Roots. is It's nonfiction because it is based on a, a true story. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's one of my favorite nonfictions. fictions Octavia Butler, some of my favorite sci-fi. Oh,
2: awesome.
0: When I was a kid, I was really into Judy Bloom. I used to really love the Babysitter's Club. Do they still write books?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so.
0: I also loved Essence Magazine. I loved seeing images of black and brown women. Yeah. They almost always had a great food section that B. Smith always contributed to. And yes. she was someone that I looked up to, right? Rest in power, B. Smith. Um, she mm-hmm. transitioned a little earlier in the year. So yeah, so I'm also a reader too. I like that we have that in common. That's pretty cool. What are some other things that you thought you might've wanted to be when you grow up? I know when I was growing up, I wanted to be a pediatrician, a fire person, and I don't know what else, something else. Maybe a a veterinarian. That was definitely high on my list. But here I am cooking. But what about you? Tell me some other things that you considered being when you grew up or still even maybe, you know?
1: Yeah, so when I was younger, I wanted to be A lot of different things. I always wanted to cook, but I remember when I was younger, I had this, we had to write things down for class. And one of the things I put on was artists. I was like four years old. I didn't even (laughs) do anything like that. So I don't know what I was thinking about. (laughs) But I always wanted to like drive when I was younger. So I think it was something like a race car driver or something like that.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: But I think a career path that I've always had was definitely
0: cooking. So I know you started cooking with your family. That's probably most of our initial introduction into cooking, you know, like just helping out in the kitchen just because Mm -hmm. it's the thing that families do together. Do you remember a particular moment when you were in the kitchen cooking with your family and you were like, this is for me? Like, This is it. I don't want to be a race car driver. (laughs) I want to be a chef. Like, do you remember that moment and can you tell me about it?
1: I don't know if I remember a specific moment where I was like, this is what I want to do, but I remember really positive memories of cooking with my sisters for like Mother's Day and we'd do like breakfast in bed. And that was something that I really enjoyed. I was the youngest at the time, so I always wanted to like flip the potatoes and different things like that. But Mm -hmm. I also remember cooking butternut squash and being like, so it was was so cool because it was just this big thing. And then when you roasted it and turned into this like whole sweet and really interesting vegetable. Mm -hmm. So I think those are definitely some of my earliest food memories. And from there, I kind of just learned from different shows and different cookbooks.
0: Do you ever have a moment when you're in the kitchen, like when you're doing a stage and you just have like a, a surge through your body and you're like, yes, you know, like this is a moment for me. Do you experience that every time you stage or, you know, sometimes when I'm styling and I see the pictures taken and the photographer puts it up on the monitor and I'm just like, sometimes I get goosebumps. This is what I'm here for, you know?
1: Yeah. I think when I'm staging, I will do well go in early in the morning and I'll do the prep work. And that's really cool because I get to learn about the ingredients and the recipes and the cooks and chefs. But I think a lot of people can relate to this when I say like my favorite part is the service and the rush of getting the dishes out onto the table and things like that. That's definitely one of my favorite part of being in the kitchen is kind of cooking and plating the dishes for like dinner service or lunch service.
0: That is such a rush. It really is a great moment, especially because you have like so much prep to do. There's like so many little things. And when you see all those parts come together and make like a gorgeous dish, it's nothing more fulfilling. I agree with you 100%. Some of our listeners might not know what a stage is. Would you Mm -hmm. like to explain to them a little bit about what that is and one of your favorite stage experiences?
1: Yeah, totally. So a stage is like an internship, but in a kitchen and they can be as long as a couple of days to like months. And so what you do is you kind of go in and you learn from the chefs, but you don't actually have like a job there. I think, I can't pick one of my favorite stages, but one of my favorite experiences is definitely at Nina Compton's restaurant Compare Le Pen in New Orleans. My
0: favorite place. It was
1: really cool. Yes, the food is so good and the, her team is super awesome. And it was just really cool to get to learn from her. And yeah, definitely one of my favorite experiences.
0: That's awesome. Compare La Pen is just one of my favorite experiences in general. I love that restaurant. So good. Yeah. Let's shout out to <laughs> Chef Nina in New Orleans, holding it down for the sisters. Nuku makes high-quality cookware and bakeware for home chefs. And the products are so good, even their own employees can't get enough. Here's Jean Horvath, the vice president of custom and specialty products, raving about her four-quart stock pot. The one piece that I really love is our four-quart stock pot. It's perfect for so many things, soups, pastas, sauces. And it's not too big and it's not too small. When I make my holiday cream pies, this gives me perfect results every single time. For perfect cream pies and more, grab your own NuKu. NuKu cookware and bakeware is available on Wayfair and at select specialty retailers and cooking schools. Through the month of October, enjoy a special promo when you visit Nuku.com and enter promo code KITCHEN at checkout for a 35% savings off their stockpots. That's N-U-C-U dot promo code KITCHEN. I started out as a social worker, and like so many other people in this industry, I decided later in life that I wanted to pursue my culinary dreams. The Auguste Escoffier School of Culinary Arts is made for people like us. Their programs are flexible enough for all kinds of students. From the career changer, like me, to the experienced industry professional looking to add new skills. With their curriculum, you get it all. The classic culinary training, plus the business foundation to take you to the next level. Check out Escofier.edu to learn more. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R dot E-D-U. How do you go about getting stages? I heard that you cold call. Is that true?
1: Well, most of the times when I am asking to do a stage, I'll do an email. Mm-hmm. And I'll send an email out and ask them for a stage. But sometimes, which is really cool, is that I'll meet the chef in wherever I'm at. And they'll ask if I want to come and stage at the restaurant. And, you know, I am can be shy sometimes. So if I, like, see a chef in public, I'm not going to be like, hi, can I go stage at your restaurant? So it's really cool <laughs> to get that experience and be able to learn from these really amazing chefs.
0: So from what you know about chefs doing stages, right? Mm -hmm. From what you know about that experience, do you recognize or think about how different your experience is for others and that most chefs don't get invited to stage? They usually have to pursue it. How does that make you feel?
1: Yeah. So that makes me feel like really welcomed in food industry and really grateful for these amazing chefs. I know a lot of people don't get this experience that I've gotten and so I'm in awe sometimes about how gracious some of the chefs are and just the experiences that I've had so far. It's really like exciting for me. The Wall
2: Slide.
0: Okay, so, Rohana, this is a part of our conversation that we like to call the wall slide.
1: okay.
0: (laughs) We call it the wall slide because it's usually a point in a person's life where something is either not great, Mm -hmm. not going as expected, or just causes us to do a little internal reflection, right? A little introspective thinking. Um, And so, you know, with that, I just wanted to know how you feel your age has played a role in being invited to stages versus having to pursue them the way that your older chef peers have to to do that? Do you feel like you have an advantage because of your age, being younger? Or do you actually feel more disadvantaged because you're younger? Do you feel like the invitation is really the only easy part?
1: Yeah, so I feel like there are certain advantages and disadvantages to staging at my age. Traditionally, stashing started in France and I know you know it's really normal to start as like a teen in different kitchens. Mm -hmm. And then more recently, that age started to get a little bit older. I think the advantages to it is if I were older, I would be seen differently in a kitchen. But I do think the advantage or the good side of being 16 is people understanding that I and they're just to soak up all the information. And I'm not trying to become the chef or anything like that. I just want to kind of learn how the kitchen works. Wow. That's a
0: very insightful answer. And yeah. Wow. I think it could change the perspective of a kitchen team. They're definitely more welcome when they don't feel like you want their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. So, you know, having all of these experiences, these wonderful stages at such a young age, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you might like plateau? Are you afraid that you'll get to a point where maybe you'll get bored with it before you can, you know, really get much time into it? And before you're 25, you will have been in this industry for over 10 years. You know, are you afraid that you might burn out?
1: Well, I think being 16 and in the food industry, I don't think I'll lose interest or plateau just because there are so many points of being in food industry and food in general. I feel like you can't stop learning about different types of foods, and that's something that really excites me. And also, working in restaurant kitchens is a super awesome pathway, but I could do that, but also different other food industry jobs are interesting to me as well.
0: Do you feel like at any point you might feel like you're growing up too fast, you know? Do you worry about that or do you, I mean, I know your mom Mm -hmm. pretty well, you know, like in in a little bit of time with her, I can see how she runs her household and and you all seem very grounded, but do you ever fear or feel at some point, like maybe this ride is going a little faster than you would want? Or is it going too slow for you actually, you know, how Mm -hmm. do you feel about growing up in it? What does that feel like for you?
1: Yeah, growing up, I don't feel like I am going too fast or anything like that. I think a big part, like we were saying earlier, is I'm 16, so I'm not trying to be like a 20-year-old wine cook as of right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for that reason. And then also, I think a big part of it too is, I mean, I was on a junior cooking show, and so I think I understand From then, I've grown up a lot from just those three years. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm kind of rushing into being an adult or anything like that. I like being in high school and just normal stuff
0: like that. That's good. Don't rush. Don't grow too fast. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about peer pressure in the kitchen? I know it's not just peer pressure. It's not something that teens go through alone. Adults Mm -hmm. go through peer pressure, especially in the culinary industry. Have you witnessed it? Do you have friends who are doing things that you don't particularly want to do, you know, you don't have to rat your friends out right now. But like, just, you know, (laughs) do you feel that? Do you feel typical team pressures both in and out of the kitchen?
1: I don't feel it as much anymore. But when I first started getting into food industry, there were times where people would kind of nudge me towards certain areas that they thought I should have been doing and things like that.
0: Like what? Tell me what that is. What kind of areas are people pushing you towards?
1: Um, well, I think there's just like certain, like I go to different cooking events and there'd be someone come up and who wanted me to do sauces for their chicken nugget line. So mm-hmm. I was, I think there were times where I could have gone a different route, but I'm glad that I had like my family and other chefs to kind of guide me towards different opportunities.
0: So basically encouraging you to just up the ante, like you don't have to take the very first experience that comes your way. You can continue yeah. to elevate, like don't be pigeonholed. Don't let anyone minimize your craft, essentially.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Have you um, experienced that as a young Black woman or woman of color? How do you identify? Do you identify as a Black woman?
1: Yeah, I identify as a Black woman or a Black girl. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm being pigeonholed and I think that's also one of the advantages of my age because I'm kind of not growing up in front of other people but kind of maturing or just changing in a public eye a little bit so I think I not pigeonholed because of being like black and Mexican right I think I am just seen as someone who is learning in the food industry
0: have you always been this confident? I've heard that you from time to time you do reach out to chefs to do what you want. Some mm-hmm. you, a lot of your initiatives are your own that you create. How was that fostered? Were you raised to be that confident? Is that something that's your own? Do you have some siblings that are a little less confident, a little bit more shy?
1: Yeah, so like confidence-wise, I think my family and the way like me and my siblings are raised, we were kind of taught to do what we wanted and be unique but not obnoxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think something that's important is when I was younger, I realized when I first started like cooking and cooking competitions, I realized how I just started. I wasn't trying to teach anyone anything or I didn't think I was the best. And whenever we had like guests on, I always thought they were like super cool and things like that. So I think the respect that I've given other people has kind of made me more self-assured and the ways that I moved through, like, food industry.
0: That's wonderful. Respect is a huge part of growing up Black and Latinx, right? Yeah. It's the pillar of who we are from the very early age, from the beginning. and um, Yeah, for sure. I think that also plays a role on how we approach the food, right? We have a huge respect for culture mm-hmm. and um, how cultures are depicted, right? Yeah, totally. And especially as, you know, being a girl, a young girl in an urban city, there's a lot to navigate. hmm so let me ask you I know you have very strong feelings positions as do I which is our common ground about how women are treated in the kitchen just equity in general yeah. in the kitchen not just women you know it's not it's not just a gender issue it's also a race issue it's a class issue Mm -hmm. Have you experienced or observed any of this inequity firsthand? I mean, we know it because we're kind of in the industry and Mm -hmm. there are lots of conversations, but have you ever witnessed firsthand any of these experiences?
1: Yeah, for myself or just being like witnessing any kind of inequality or just anything that's like anti-women or anti like people of color black in the kitchen, I wouldn't say any of the chefs that I've worked with have been like that at all, really. I think. I've seen certain microaggressions uh, within like staff against maybe a a chef or someone, but I haven't seen any, you know, chef act wrong, but that's just my experience. Right. One of my favorite things that I've gotten to do is kind of work in areas and work with chefs that are POC, women of color, Mm -hmm. black. So I think that's something that, really kind of showed me how certain kitchens behave as opposed to maybe a different kitchen. Yeah. And I think a main part of it is just kind of understanding like how certain things are changing, but there are still certain like microaggressions and straight up aggressions that are still happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the maybe what I'm hearing you say is that one of the advantages of not only starting at this age, but being able to kind of tailor your experiences so that you can Mm -hmm. not have to really get deeply involved in some of the negative experiences that are created in kitchen cultures, but instead spending more time and energy in the kinds of kitchens that you would want to recreate if you were to be a, a restaurant owner. Is that right?
1: That's exactly what I mean.
0: Well, that is a chess move, homegirl. That is it. I love that. <laughs> a moment in the walk in. All right, Rahana. So, this is one of my favorite parts of the walk in. It's called A Moment in the Walk in. And this is where one of our listeners submits a letter to our guests asking for advice. Ooh about a situation. It could be work, it could be school, it could be life. Are you ready for that, Rahana? I'm ready. So this question is from our listener, Jackie. Jackie says, I always get imposter syndrome. For example, how embarrassing. I suck at cooking. Anytime something I've cooked turns out less than perfect. The steak is a little over, the sauce is broken, or the veggies get mushy. In my mind, it overshadows every time I've done it right. Do you ever feel this way? And if so, how do you deal with it?
1: First of all, thanks for the question, Jackie. For imposter syndrome in the kitchen when maybe a recipe doesn't go right, I think I have to remind myself of all the meals that are super delicious that I've made before. And also, I like to go to different restaurants that I want to cook like. So if I want to make a really cool Jamaican meal. I'll eat at a Jamaican restaurant to kind of know what those flavors taste like. So that's a really cool question. Thanks so much.
0: Awesome. So Jackie, all you have to do is go have some good food reference experiences and bring it home Mm -hmm. and do the best you can. Right? Right. All right. So it's been really great talking to you, Rohana. I do want to leave with one question though. Mm -hmm. What's something that you never get asked in an interview that you are Dying to share with us today. And it doesn't have to be food related. It can be anything, anything at all. Mine is, you want me to tell you what mine is? I'll tell you my secret. Yeah.
1: Okay. What's yours?
0: I struggle with cooking rice. I want everyone to know I struggle (laughs) cooking rice. White rice is a struggle. And I also don't like oysters.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I think in relation to like foods that I struggle with or something that I don't like, and I really am scared to say it, but I'm not the biggest fan of cheesecake. <laughs> I don't know why. I've never liked it, and I always think I'm going to be judged for it. But I'm just going to say it. I don't really like it that much. Boom. <laughs> I think I like like Japanese cheesecake. Boom.
0: There it is, folks. But
1: I don't like the normal flavor.
0: Rohana does not want your cheesecake. Okay, <laughs> don't ask her. Don't offer it. <laughs> don't ask her to make it because she's not going to taste it. She's not <laughs> want your cheesecake.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: I know. That's okay. No one's going to judge you for it. I, I thought my mm-hmm. friends would judge me for not liking oysters, and mm-hmm. no one even cared. So it's cool. Oh. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, that makes it's me feel good. better. No judgment here. Safe <laughs> zone in the walk-in. That's why it's called the walk-in. Well, thank you so much, Rohana. It's been so great talking to you. Um thank we gotta you. do better about keeping in touch. You already know if you ever yes. need anything at all, please reach out to me, reach out to us at America's Test Kitchen. Thank you. We love you, we support you, and we look forward to seeing everything you become in the very near future. Aww,
1: thanks for having me.
0: If you want to learn more about Rohana's work, see photos of her latest culinary creations, or read more interviews with her, you should follow her on Instagram. She's at Rahana Bissaret Martinez. If you want a moment in the walk-in, send us your questions. You can email us at thewalkin@america'stestkitchen.com. at You can send anything you need advice on, from the personal to the professional and everything in between. I'll only use your first name on the show for privacy. That's The Walk In at americastestkitchen.com. One more quick thing if you like The Walk In and you want more of these real, raw, unfiltered stories and conversations about the food world, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, why not tell us how you feel? Leave us a rating or write us a review. It really helps other people find the show. The
2: Walk In. It's created and hosted by my daughter l simone scott today's show was produced by caroline rickard our producers include caitlin kelleher hen margolis and sarah Joyner. scoring sound design and mixing by matt boynton of ultraviolet audio our theme music was composed by the mysterious breakmaster cylinder nina gallant shot the cover art Olivia Sheldon, and Daniela Barrera brought the design. Our production manager is Diane Knox. Ivana Strahan is our intern. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. David Nussbaum is our CEO. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Shield California, NuCou, Room & Board, Escoffier, Samuel Adams, Berkshire Bank, and Valley Fig Growers. The Walk-In is a production of America's Test Kitchen.
0: If you love The Walk-In, then I have a treat for you. We've just launched a companion video series on YouTube. We take snippets from my conversations here on the podcast and animate them with beautiful collages full of photography and custom artwork from some of the flyest up and coming artists. It's hard to describe, but you've got to check it out for yourself. Time to get those eyeballs engaged. There's a link in the show notes.